I was working with a women's savings club and really seeing the manual process behind it. And then after leaving that experience, becoming an entrepreneur myself, I began to see a lot of the similarities between the women in Senegal and the experiences that I had as well as other Black founders had. And so for me, Founders Get Funds was really the first tech idea that I put out into the world in which I wanted to digitize savings clubs, not only to provide greater access to resources to like women like those of L'Entente Feminin and women like me, but also to connect those communities so that they could build businesses together. Let's discover the Cleveland entrepreneurial ecosystem. We are telling the stories of its entrepreneurs and those supporting them. Welcome to the Lay of the Land podcast, where we're exploring what people are building in Cleveland. And we're coming to you live from Cleveland. Today's episode will will actually be a little bit different. Our aim from the start has been to tell the authentic story of entrepreneurs and builders and, and those supporting them in Cleveland. And today we'll actually be sharing Tegan's story in the spirit of that and in the context of a year that has been challenging and full of reflection for, for many of us. I love sharing stories and learning more about the land, but I will be waning off the show as a co-host over the next few episodes. Please don't worry, my fellow cartographer Jeff will lead the show towards new discoveries you don't want to miss. Yeah, thank you, Tegan. Uh, this podcast has, has been a, a journey in and of itself, and, and I've truly enjoyed collaborating with you to, to create this show that the folks here in Cleveland are already receptive of and, and given us great feedback about, and I'm excited to, to keep sharing the stories going forward. The response from the land has been amazing. And the stories of entrepreneurship here are just as much about building something impactful as it is a, about putting out fires. <laughs> certainly a lot of fires that we've encountered and as yeah, a city notorious for having our own particular set of river fires that that we're known for, but lots of fires to put out for sure. (laughs) Yeah, 13 times the Cuyahoga River was on fire. (laughs) But Cleveland always bounces back, and so will I. Though I won't be a co-host on Lay of the Land, I look forward to continuing to collaborate with Jeff. Yeah, the the Cleveland jokes aside, in order to end your time on on the Leyland podcast in in the right way, uh, this episode will be a conversation where the audience gets to to learn more about you. So with that, uh, please enjoy Tegan's story. So like we explore with most of the guests that we have on, I'd love for you, Tegan, to just tell us a little bit more about your own entrepreneurial journey and where and why that journey intersected with Cleveland. Sure, Jeff. And I am happy it intersected with Cleveland. I got to meet you, which has been super cool. But I would say that my entrepreneurship journey is best described in three major events that happened in my life. When I was 16, I really wanted to travel. And so like the super cool person I am, I created a PowerPoint (laughs) presentation. Um, to share with my parents, asking them if I could travel to Ghana with Global Leadership Adventures. And I will say that they were a little reluctant at first, but they were eventually very supportive as well as the rest of my family as they helped me fund the trip. 
Uh, so I got to spend two weeks in an area known as Jita, Ghana, off the Volta River, um, working with a local NGO, Dream Big Ghana. For me, that was really my first time dealing with a piecemeal solution, something that is scalable and repeatable as I, along with other high school students, were building compost toilets. And these were pretty large structures made out of cement and bricks that we were making from scratch. Um, there was not any electricity. We were mixing <laughs> cement with shovels, um, laying bricks and letting them dry in the sun, dipping water from the wells. <laughs> but in addition to that, the community we were working with was um, supplying half of the materials. So I think that it was a very collaborative opportunity as well as knowing that different groups came to uh, Dream Big Ghana throughout the summers um, in order to continue to add more compost toilets to the area. And on the last day, getting to actually interact with people that would be using the compost toilets that we bought um, and knowing that it would be able to reduce disease that actually causes death for a lot of children. I was really inspired by solutions like that in which it seems like something small, but you're really working to solve a very large, complex problem. That really led to me studying or wanting to study international studies in college. During my college search, I did a few, you know, um, accepted students days, um, but one in particular was at Spelman College. And I can remember listening to our song, The Choice to Change the World, and honestly feeling very emotional being surrounded by other Black women and knowing the goals that I had for myself. It seemed as if I had no other choice but Spelman um, because I did want to change the world. <laughs> and it seemed to be a place curated especially for me. And so I became an international studies major at Spelman and began on a trajectory thinking that maybe I would go into nonprofits. I spent some time at a few nonprofits working in fundraising, um, did some donor research, did some canvassing, did a little bit of marketing here and there. But I found that nonprofits weren't where I wanted to grow. It was missing a lot of the thought leadership that I wanted as I saw that it was a lot more about curating resources really separate from the problem. And so I kind of ventured more towards uh, policy work. And so I had some really great opportunities. I spent a summer at Princeton studying uh, international policy and really seeing what a master's program looked like there, meeting with ambassadors, um, learning more about the Foreign Service. But really what that experience taught me was how to use numbers and statistics to really back up a lot of the problems that I was passionate about. And it also taught me that I didn't want to be an ambassador. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like, uh, once again, it was kind of missing that thought leadership that I wanted to have, really focusing on defining problems and designing tailored solutions. So moving along to what I really think was a, a shift in my mindset was spending a semester abroad in Dakar, Senegal. And I was studying economic development and taking courses in economic development 
But I was also interning with a local women's rotating credit and savings association or savings club, L'Entente Feminin. And that organization was very unique in that it was a savings club, which is a community banking format that is often done between family and friends. Uh, But this group was all women, all founders, and there were over 200 of them. So I had the amazing opportunity of working with the president and seeing women pal into her home every Wednesday to contribute their savings to their individual clubs and go up to the accountants that had these giant binders with everyone's name, literally checking off names for months and months back. And what I wanted to do uh, as I kind of created this internship for myself I wanted to really get to know the women and learn their stories. And as I was learning their stories, I met women that started with maybe a couple items of inventory, saved with the club, received their payout from the club, and then invest in their business. And over time, uh, grow from having that couple items of inventory to having their own shop in their neighborhood. And so I really wanted to get their stories out there um, and help raise money for them as they had um, a pretty low, low cost for a lot of their businesses. But you can't do that. Raising U.S. <laughs> dollars in Senegal or uh, yeah, it's, it's illegal. Um, <laughs> and as a well, small, small technicality, yeah, just you know, a little regulation there. But also the women didn't have bank accounts. So if I did have it in their currency, SAFA, I didn't necessarily know how I would transfer it to them. And so I did leave feeling a little discouraged, um, but I was also very empowered by entrepreneurship's ability to build communities. And I think that really carried with me uh, as I continued through my next phase of life. (laughs) (laughs) That is a journey that took you all over the world. What, What is it that, you know, with that newfound inspiration that brought you to Cleveland? Yes. So leaving Senegal, I was discouraged, but I was still very passionate about that problem. And I continued to work with different organizations such as Alliance Francaise. They had their first women's culture and leadership trip in Senegal. And that allowed me to work under an executive director who was clearly very entrepreneurial as she was leading this um, first ever initiative at the organization. And after my internship, she wanted to branch out and, you know, start her own business. And for me, I was excited to lend my expertise that I kind of had grown over the years, really starting from high school yearbook to all those internships to even the internship I had with her. I offered to build a website and help her rebrand. And she in turn offered to pay me, which was like mind blowing to me at the time. But it was the first glimpse of me really starting to realize my value. Um, And so that led to me starting my digital marketing agency, The Tegan Experience. Right around that time, I was applying for Venture for America. And I remember my selection day, actually, I met a woman named Gloria Ware, who gave me her business card. We had a great conversation, gave me her business card. And it was like, you know, if you ever end up in Ohio, give me a call. 
<laughs> and me, like, you know, world traveler living in Atlanta, I'm like, yeah, when I get to Ohio, <laughs> I'll give you a call, like not seeing that in the plan at all. But as I continue through the Venture for America Fellowship, you know, after getting accepted and really having a long match experience, it came down to really two choices. One would lead me to New Orleans. And it was along the same vein kind of of things that I had been doing, working with nonprofits. And then there was this opportunity to go to Cleveland, work at a tech startup that was working with sporting teams (laughs) and venues. There's nothing that could have seemed further from what uh, would be next in my path, uh, just knowing myself. However, uh, Group Maddox had a really innovative solution in my eyes that I was excited to be a part of. I really wanted the opportunity to learn how to make money. I mean, I had been working at nonprofits, working in the public sector, and um, it was It was a time for me to make this transition, especially stemming from my experiences in Senegal and also becoming an entrepreneur myself. I knew that uh, tech solutions were going to have the scalability to bring that impact I wanted to see for the communities I wanted to cater to. Yeah. So with your time at at Grumatics, how did that influence how you thought about you know, your own personal endeavors at the Taken experience and ultimately what what you ended up starting with with Founders Get Funds. Can you can you tell us a little bit about your, your takeaways from from being at a startup and you know, it sounds like you may have learned what you, what you needed to about building something. But yeah, I'd love to hear your perspective on all of that. Yes. I mean, you've had your fair share of experience at startups. So I'm sure you know that it can be um, quite the learning experience. And for me, I was coming on as the first account manager at Group Maddox. And so that was a great opportunity for me to engage with clients. I think I enjoy communicating with people. So that was something I really loved about the job and having the opportunity to grow million dollar accounts, something that, you know, I hadn't been in that position before. Um, But again, coming on as the first account manager, there was a lot of space to grow. It was really my first time putting on this tech innovation strategist hat that I think I've grown into as there's a lot of opportunities to suggest and implement processes, whether internally for our team or even within the ways that we engage with clients through our chat bot or um, the way that we engaged with touch points. And it was a great opportunity to see uh, the company do the greatest day in sales history, but then also to be along for the ride as uh, the NBA shut down and we saw, you know, revenue fall to zero. We spent uh, a good chunk of time, about 10 weeks, focusing on an all-in-one solution for virtual events, something that I had become pretty familiar with through Founders Get Funds at the time. Um, and that allowed me to really put on my digital marketing hat that I had from the Tegan <laughs> experience at the time and really lead in creating a strategy for our social media as well as creating content and really thinking about the the messaging from the beginning. I think that that was really the point in which I started to open my eyes to really see the full life cycle of product design to development to how marketing uh, really relies on the success of those processes. So overall, I would say that it was a learning experience from top to bottom. And, you know, unfortunately, an acquisition fell through and my furlough became permanent. But 
I enjoyed every bit of it as well as the knowledge that I take away now as a self-proclaimed tech innovation strategist. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, founders get get funds a, a few times. Can you tell us just what, what that is exactly? Yes. Founders Get Funds is a podcast and newsletter really combating misinformation targeted at founders building businesses from the ground up. And it has looked like a lot of different things uh, over the past year. <laughs> yeah. What, what kind of motivated you to, to start that? It really stemmed from that experience in Senegal. So again, I was working with a women's savings club and really seeing the manual process behind it. And then after leaving that experience, becoming an entrepreneur myself, I began to see a lot of the similarities between the women in Senegal and the experiences that I had as well as other Black founders had. And so for me, Founders Get Funds was really the first tech idea that I put out into the world in which I wanted to digitize savings clubs, not only to provide greater access to resources to like women like those of Montant Feminon and women like me, but also to connect those communities so that they could build businesses together. Hmm. And how, how have you gone about building that, that community? I know it's, it's grown a bit over the past while here, but how, how, how's that been? Yeah, it's definitely been a journey. I started with a survey, just, you know, following your usual startup vibes. And it taught me what I knew. You know, Black women didn't have access to a lot of funding. They they were self-funding their business. I mean, and through further research, you know, I found that over 90% of Black businesses were self-funded as well as only 100,000 of the 2 million Black businesses having employees. And so that survey was, it was helpful, but it wasn't giving me the information I wanted. So I created a Facebook group and it was cool. I got, you know, people to join. I saw that there was an interest in the topic, but I was still not getting the feedback I needed to start to provide what I thought would be a useful solution so I decided to launch a podcast, <laughs> Founders Get Funds, the podcast. Never done anything like it before, really. And the first guest was actually Angel Washington, someone I met at the gathering of Black women in Cleveland. And it was actually pretty easy. <laughs> <laughs> You're a natural. <laughs> it was honestly because it was a topic that I was living in and it was something that I was very passionate about. And so, and the podcast just continued to grow from there. However, as I mentioned, my original goal was to digitize savings clubs. And so through some research, I found that there were digital savings clubs. Uh, Isusu was focused on um, immigrant communities that are often targeted for high rent prices. And there was e-money pool that uh, really helps consumers save up for things like a car but no one was really focused on founders, kind of like the model I saw in Senegal. I decided, you know, there are some applications out there that already exist that could allow me to create a, a savings club. And so I kind of created a tech stack through existing applications and started running savings clubs with founders that <laughs> I knew. <laughs> and I'd say that my savings clubs were a little bit different in that. 
savings clubs work in which individuals come together and they contribute a fixed amount for a fixed amount of time, whether that be weekly or monthly. And in a rotation, that pot is given to each individual until everyone receives the pot and then the process restarts. And so with my savings clubs, I was encouraging founders to save, which was very timely uh, as COVID was hitting around that time. And so the goal of the Founders Get Fund Savings Clubs was to create an emergency fund as a safety net for the founders so that they could take loans out from their savings clubs as needed, whether it be something like COVID-19 or whether it be a seasonal decline. And the process around that continued to evolve and mature. I would say that it was successful. You know, founders were saving and they were excited about saving. In addition to that, we were meeting on a weekly basis for business development purposes. I would bring in different speakers, a lot of them from the land, uh, to engage (laughs) with the founders and really teach new things like QuickBooks, how to apply for a loan, as well as it was an opportunity for us to just meet on a very personal level. I mean, entrepreneurship is daunting, to say the least, especially in the midst of a pandemic. So it was a great opportunity for us to build relationships. And I found actually that that relationship building, those personal conversations was really the true value of the club. And so I I stopped doing the savings clubs. (laughs) And uh, I focused more on really understanding how can I curate more business development resources for this community that is really combating a lot of toxic relationships as well as, I guess, traumatic experiences with finances. And so I'll say that I'm still in the process of finding that solution, but I know that I am more certain about the problem that I want to solve. Yeah. What are, what are some of the things that, that you have learned going, going through that? And as you think about, you know, things that you can focus on going forward, what are what are the learnings that you're taking with you? I think a lot of the reason to why I am, you know, waning off of the show is that I know that what Founders Get Funds needs or any business that I am a part of, any initiative group relationship that I am <laughs> a part of, what it needs right now is for Tegan's personal development. And so that looks like a lot of different things. That looks like me taking time to have deep thought about my personal desires and lifelong goals, drinking tea, taking walks, laughing, (laughs) um, (laughs) as well as, you know, learning a lot more about product design, as I know that that is the true battle in entrepreneurship as well as learning a lot more about different languages such as R, such as Python, such as JavaScript, and being a tech innovation strategist, spending time to stay on top of a lot of the things that are going on in the tech industry, as I think that the areas that I was focused on, digital marketing as well as funding, uh, they're evolving quickly, especially with the pandemic propelling things forward. Yeah. So. With, with all of that, what do you see yourself focusing on uh, moving forward as you, you know, kind of wane off the show and, and focus really on yourself and, and these future endeavors? Yes, I think that I'm really focusing more on that problem again that I want to solve. And, 
you know, luckily through this year of just trying different things, I've kind of found that misinformation is the problem that I'm most passionate about. And I feel like there are a lot of storytellers out there, but I want to be a story translator. And for me, that looks like uh, really bringing data, marketing, and technology together to bring stories to life. Nice. That's awesome. Thanks. Can you tell us a bit more about your connection to, to Cleveland and how you're thinking about that going forward as, as, as you work on all those things? Throughout the past year with Founders Get Funds and, you know, trying a lot of different things, Jumpstart and particularly Ron Stubblefield, Chris Smith and Gloria Ware have been super impactful in me getting to the point where I can have these types of realizations. And so I look forward to really continuing to engage with them to add value where I can with them as well as continue to benefit from their advisement. And another person that I was lucky to meet through the Black Women's Gathering in Cleveland was Anne Ritchie, and she's working on an amazing project, the Mezzanine Fund. And it's just giving me an opportunity to really use this tech innovation strategist hat. And as well as Midtown Cleveland, I just so happened to move to Millionaire's Row. Like, who does that? Um, <laughs> and it allowed me to really connect with uh, the city of Midtown that is ever evolving. And I look forward to following that journey as well. Yeah. I mean, community really has been a, a thread, a theme that kind of ties a lot of, I think, your experiences together, you know, to kind of put a bow on it. <laughs> how how has community, do you think, impacted, you know, your journey as an entrepreneur here in Cleveland, but, but really across the board? I mean, I think even from the beginning, you know, talking about going to Ghana and having that support of my family, as well as having the support of the Spelman community, as well as just different people believing in me from the executive director at Alliance Francaise to Gloria Ware giving me her business card, to having that opportunity to move into tech and working at Groupmatics and engaging with you here on this podcast. I think that community is what I am. Um, and I think that's why I am so in love with sharing stories. That resonates quite a lot. <laughs> uh, as, as you know, our go-to question here at the end of uh, these podcasts is, you know, to paint a collage of people's favorites and hidden gems throughout Cleveland. And so without further ado, <laughs> what is your favorite hidden gem in Cleveland? I honestly was not even prepared for this question. <laughs> so now I'm like, okay, what is the one thing I want to say? You, you didn't see it coming. <laughs> I really didn't. And I'm like, Matt, <laughs> I didn't think this through. The hidden gem that I want to share about Cleveland. This might sound basic, but I think that the lake is honestly one of the, the best things about Cleveland. It's honestly surprising. And even in the winter, you know, seeing it frozen over, I think that it can be very breathtaking. And for me, I have really found that being outdoors and taking that time to be outdoors, it's just a part of my development as an entrepreneur, my development as a person. And so I would say anyone that's in Cleveland, take advantage of 
you know, the lake. Take advantage of the beautiful scenery that that the city has hidden in there. Because people usually don't think, people don't think about nature when they think of Cleveland. Um, but I think that is <laughs> one of the most beautiful parts of the city. Couldn't agree with you more. You know, going forward, um, obviously we're going to attempt to continue to collaborate here and, and hopefully we'll have you on a bunch more going forward. But uh, for anyone that is interested in connecting with you, questions, follow up, what is the best way for, for them to do that outside the, the scope of the podcast? Of course, uh, you should definitely follow me on Twitter. I talk way too much on Twitter. <laughs> Uh, so if you want to know where my brain is, look at my tweets. Uh, so you can follow me at thetagan, T-H-E-T-A-G-A-N. If you want to stay up to date with Founders Get Funds, you can subscribe to our newsletter, www.foundersgetfunds.com, uh, and follow us on LinkedIn at Founders Get Funds. Awesome. A- any last part in words here, Tegan? I will say that the land has a lot going on, and I look forward to uh, engaging with this podcast in many ways as a listener, as a sometimes guest, uh, or just as a friend <laughs> to you. <laughs> so it was awesome ride. It, it has been really fantastic. And um, it's been very fun building this with you. And yeah, I'm very excited to to see where it goes. But it's been a pleasure and really appreciate you know you coming on and, and sharing your story. I think I think people will, will really enjoy it. Yes, thanks for this opportunity to share my story. I enjoyed the conversation. (laughs) That's all for this week. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show. So shoot us an email at layoftheland at upside.fm or find us on Twitter at podlayoftheland, at thetagan, or at sternhefe, J-E-F-E. We'll be back here next week at the same time to map more of the land. If you or someone you know would make a good guest for our show, please email us or find us on Twitter and let us know. And if you love our show, please leave a review on iTunes. That goes a long way in helping us spread the word and continue to help bring high-quality guests to the show. Jeff and I decided there were a couple of things we wanted to share with you at the end of the podcast. And so, here we go. Tegan Horton and Jeffrey Stern developed the Lay of the Land podcast in collaboration with the Up Company LLC. At the time of this recording, we did not own equity or other financial interests in the companies which appear on this show unless otherwise indicated. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own opinion and do not reflect the opinions of Founders Get Funds and its affiliates or actual and its affiliates or any entity which employ us. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. We have not considered your specific financial situation nor provided any investment advice on this show. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week.